Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Hey, noir fans. Uh, this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Carly and I have had a few uh, obligations that we needed to take care of over the past couple weeks, so we've been finishing that up. Um, and one of those things that we were dealing with was the episode that you're going to hear today, which took a considerable amount of work to um, really fine-tune it and get it where we wanted it to be. Um so this isn't going to be a traditional film noir um, discussion where we watch a movie and, and whatnot. This this week's episode is actually going to be um, a radio drama theater episode where uh, we're going to present to you um, a, a film that we had shot, a short film that we had shot, and we have turned it into a radio drama, much like they did in like the 30s and 40s. Uh, radio programs um, and we we put a lot of work into this and we put a lot of work into the short film that we shot as well which released on May 1st uh, which was another reason why we had missed an episode you know a couple weeks ago um, and then this particular project was something that um, we really wanted to do we're trying to you know sort of spread our wings so to speak and do different types of uh, projects and in, in, in different mediums um, and without, you know, kind of, you know, going a little too far with this, just wanted to sort of give a little intro to the show so you know what you're getting into. Um, I know that this isn't a normal uh, episode of um, a noir discussion, um, but rather something that we're pretty proud of and we hope that you guys are interested in uh, checking out. And um, hopefully it's, uh, you know, it, it's something you guys enjoy. All right, and without any more uh, of my babbling, um, I, Carly and I uh, present to you the curious case of the murder that wasn't in radio theater drama form. The screen is awash with newspaper clippings, a flurry of images and headlines, all revolving around one single topic, the death of Agatha Christie. This just in, Agatha Christie murdered. Could it be foul play? Or will natural causes to blame for the loss of such a beloved icon? Hounds search for author, the Cabot Cove Inquirer. Headline reads, Agatha Christie dead. The clippings don't offer anything more than speculation and distress. Malibu News, Agatha Christie's missing will. Who gets the money? Finally, a newspaper opens to the obituary notices. 
the details of Dame Christie's funeral and wake. At the Christie's funeral will be a public event followed by a private wake by invitation only. Hey, detective, here's that coroner's report on the accidental death of that Arthur. What's her name? Christie. Right, Christie. Looks like that accident was no accident after all. What do you mean? Woody down in the coroner's office, he's calling it murder. Hmm, that is curious. Lieutenant Colombo, his trusty companion's leash in hand, makes his way to the walkway of the cemetery. He can't help but consider what a peaceful place he finds this. Dog, perhaps, not so much. To him, it is nothing more than a pleasant walk in the sun. So when he played one, he played knick-knick on my drum. With the knick-knack patty where I give a dog home. I'm flabbergasted why people don't like cemeteries. It's so peaceful. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher, mild-mannered, friendly, with an air of knowing authority, sits in the passenger seat of a car. Seth, her faithful friend and Cabot Cove doctor, is driving. Well, that was a lovely service. If you can call a funeral service such a thing. Well, that it was. Thank you, Seth, for chauffeuring me around. It'll be interesting to spend time with Sherlock Holmes. It's not a problem for a good friend like you, Jessica. As coincidence would have it, your friends are always dying when I'm on vacation. It keeps me on my toes. Sorry I can't stick around. No. <laughs> the two old friends can't help but let out a carefree chuckle at the adventure ahead. Stop complaining, okay? We were lucky Mrs. Colombo was able to drop us off while my car was in the shop. I promise, it's not far. Mark Sloan, kindly, twitchy, and with one of the most fabulous mustaches known to the crime-fighting world, slumps in the passenger seat of his son Steve Sloan's car, silent for a moment as the good doctor mulls over a throwaway comment still occupying space in his mind. Steve knows the routine, rarely cares for it, but feels the obligation to query rise as he glances to his father and back again. Twice more, just for good measure. With a foreboding sigh, he finally asks, What is it, Dad? It's just, something's been bugging me since the service. Which is? I tell you, it's an odd thing, but I overheard the strangest of conversations. Between you and me, it sounded like a motive. What for? Murder. Steve shakes his head. He isn't getting let off that easily. <sighs> no, it wasn't. I think it was. No, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure no. that's the way these all start. Dad. I knew I should have just roller skated here. Or my scooter. Funerals are a little more formal than being a well-known doctor at a prestigious hospital, let alone roller skating into a meeting with a real world-renowned detective. On my drum with a knick-knack patty where chip a dog bone. This old man came rolling home. Colombo puts an arm up and a finger, trying to wave down Jessica Fletcher as she drives by. Jessica! 
Jessica glances over and gives a reluctant wave to satisfy his attention. Hey, Jessica! Who is that? Oh, that's just Columbo. He's a bit absent-minded, but harmless enough. Well, someone should tell him it's 96 degrees out, and that trench coat's going to kill him. You know, I don't think I've ever not seen him wearing that old rag. You'd think he'd put on a nice suit. Columbo isn't surprised to find that the car doesn't stop. Before he can be flabbergasted for more than a moment, another car passes through. Columbo jousts his arm into the air once again. Mark! Mark! Dr. Mark Sloan smiles and waves. Frequent protocol. Come on, give me a lift! Come on! Mark, wide-eyed, embarrassed at his lack of etiquette, sinks into his chair. I sure hope he didn't think we were giving him a ride. I hate the smell of cigars. Like that if I was trying to arrest him, you'd have given him a ride. Columbo, arm still raised, squints at Sloan driving past, crosses his free arm over. How do you like that? <laughs> well done. How do you like that? I'm starting to think nobody wants to give us a ride. Columbo, hand still in the air, brings it over his head and scratches the back of his head. He then rests it on his crossed arm and puts his finger to his temple. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll drop you off at the house first. It's not far. I gotta get back to the office, so I won't be around for the festivities. Well, how am I gonna get home? I don't know, Dad. Why don't you see if the Master of Deduction has a pair of roller skates? Or maybe, I don't know, call a cab. Columbo pulls out a cigar from his pocket and strikes a match. Eyes drawn, once again, for his trusty companion. When we get there, I'll give you a Big bowl of chili. Stop complaining. The scene is now an affluent house, the interior full of grand opulence on a scale envied by the masses and afforded to the very select few. Inside, the doorbell rings. A lone shadow cuts through the light. The master of deduction, a man of great intellect and superiority, Sherlock Holmes. Casually humming a cheery tune, he strides to the door and opens it with a wide smile. Greetings, Mrs. Fletcher. It truly is an honor. Jessica mirrors this greeting. Oh, likewise, Mr. Holmes. I just wish it was under more cheerier circumstances. The murder of a random stranger, for example. Jessica J.B. Fletcher, occupation novelist, location 698, Candlewood Lane, Cabot Cove, Maine. Hobbies, amateur detective. Number of episodes, 264. Number of movies, four. Tickled, Sherlock smiles and steps aside to allow Jessica to step in. Oh, that's good, very good. Welcome, please come in. Oh, thank you. As soon as the door swings closed, there's an awful loud knock. Come, come. Oh, Excuse me. Sherlock opens the door to a very nervous Mark Sloan. Oh, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Sloan, please do come in. His nervousness is soon to be revealed, as Sherlock's eyes note the remnants of a broken doorbell clasped between his hands. Uh, I'm sorry, I seem to have broken your doorbell. Dr. Mark Sloan, MD. Occupation, Medical Marvel, location 63231, Beach Drive, Malibu, California. Hobbies include tap dancing, magician, and amateur detective. Episodes 179, movies 5. Yes, I expected nothing less. Welcome though anyways, yes. Say, uh, will Dr. Watson be joining us today? I tell you, I got a freckle on my knee that keeps giving me trouble. 
Does he get my messages? Sherlock ushers the good doctor away from the topic of conversation and towards the entrance of the living room. Yes, frequently. Uh, please come in. Where Mark sits down in a chair next to the esteemed Jessica. But before the two can engage in pleasantries, there is a gentle tap on the window. Hmm. What's that? Somebody knocking at the window. Hello. Hmm. Let's take a look. Uh, Did it uh, start without me? Ah, Columbo, you're right on time. Go round to the front porch. What? Come around to the front porch. I can't hear a thing out here. Come around to the front porch. I don't know what you're saying. Come, Come around, around to the, the front, front porch. porch. I don't understand why everybody's so angry. Sherlock, joined by Mark and Jessica, offers a condescending eye roll. For heaven's sakes, I'll go get him. Sherlock opens the door to find the one and only Columbo, cigar in hand. Startled and anticipating more sheep herding, Sherlock screams in a high-pitched squeal. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. Ah, rarely do you do anything by accident. Please, Lieutenant Columbo, would you come in? Certainly. Welcome. Thank you. Lieutenant Frank Colombo, Occupation Police Lieutenant, resides in Hollywood, California. Hobbies include bowling and pool. Episode count 69, movie 69. As the two giants of crime cross the threshold, Colombo spins round. Oh, those are some nice shoes you got there. Thank you. If you don't mind me asking, how much did you pay for those? I do mind. Oh, sorry, sir. My wife says I do talk too much. Uh, find yourself a seat, Colombo, and mind the floors. Please, I've just had them done recently. Uh, not too long ago, actually. It was two weeks ago, I do Not scratch. Oh, never mind. Mm, have a seat. Very good. Thank you. Sherlock paces back and forth, pipe in hand, mind a flurry with anticipation, as Mark, Jessica and Columbo sit on the sofa like naughty children being scored by the headmaster. <clears throat> Why are we here? Sherlock Holmes, Occupation Consulting Detective, resides at 221 Baker Street, London, England. Hobbies include personal cleanliness, cocaine, and morphine. Number of episodes unknown. Movies unknown. Well, I thought well, I should well, come. You know, I got this vacation. Like here because it was a funeral. It was rhetorical. Please do keep up. Precisely one week ago today, our beloved Arthur and the Christie died. During a trip to the lavatory, as specified in your last will and testament, volume one, you three are to be present and I am to be in charge of reading the contents, due in no small part to the fact that my accent is particularly soothing, far less irritating than that area of yours. Does it actually say that? Yes. Now, Unfortunately, in order to discover the contents of her last written word, we must first, um, uh, locate it. <laughs> is it lost? Definitely not. Lost? <laughs> no. Is this a riddle? It is not, but it will be. I love riddles. But when? Now. What's now? The riddle. Ah, so it is a riddle. It isn't. But now it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what fun! Volume two, it is hidden. 
Now, since you wanted to give yourself one last little giggle, hmm? You are the fortunate victims, a word you're almost familiar with. So you, you, you want us to solve a mystery? A, a riddle. Ah, a mystery by way of riddle. This makes sense. So when should we get started? Now. It's literally happening now. I thought that was well established. Uh, but why? Solve the riddle? Find out. Well, this is absurd. What if we don't wish to partake? I mean, what could she have possibly left me besides a couple of rare books? I'm already rich. Oh, me too. Me too. You should come to my Malibu beach house sometime. I'll definitely play along here. I mean, if this leads us to receiving some sort of monetary compensation, I've had my eye on this beautiful blue suit at the J.C. Penny. Right off the rack. Fits perfect. The game has already started. You see, Dame Christie has given you a tantalizing riddle. Hmm. <laughs> Promises to be convoluted, complex, possibly confusing, and uh, simple at best. However, there can only be one victor. Hmm? Call yourselves a sleuth. Solve the riddle. Claim your title. I've been itching to get my hands on her book of medical utensils and poisons for years. She always used to say, over my dead body. I hope that's what I'm getting. Mm. Fingers crossed for first editions. <laughs> I'd like just enough to spruce up my wardrobe. And so, it is decided. The game is afoot. I thought the game was a riddle. Precisely. I thought it already started. You did say that. You two are ruining the fun. Uh, fine. Let the games continue. First clue. Hmm. What is greater than God, more evil than the devil? The poor have it, the rich want it, and if you eat it, you shall die. It's a rather simple riddle for someone of such high caliber, wouldn't you agree? I've been practicing these. Hold on, everybody. Let me think. Mark ponders the word aloud, a counsel to himself. How long will that take? Think, just think, think. Come on, I can do this. Nothing. Excuse me? Nothing. Nothing, that's the answer. Oh? Mm. Wonderful use of gray matter, detective. I don't mm -hmm. know what that means, but I'll take it as a compliment. Nothing? How can nothing be in this room? Some sort of elaborate magic trick? You should probably keep practicing. Let's let the lady take a turn, huh? Perhaps it's a book title. <gasps> Sherlock's brows fold at the curiosity as Mark joins Jessica at the bookshelf. Nothing. Not anything. Not at all. No value. Look, I solved the riddle. I think it's time someone else took a turn. What a curious creature of human behavior you are, detective. Like you said, sir, it's the gray that matters. She tugs on the spine of one of the books. A Hercule Poirot mystery. Ah, that's right. Hercules Perot. Right. She didn't have too high opinion of him, did she? Hmm. Such a shame. I appreciate a good mustache. Ooh, as do I. Thomas Magnum had one that could make your feet tingle. Hmm, that's true. No, that was a terrible crossover. Well, yeah. Wait a minute. A little out of his comfort zone, Mark clumsily opens a book, and inside they find an envelope. Before their fingertips can touch the clue, Sherlock swoops in and grabs the envelope from the clutches. 
I'll take that. Thank you. Please sit. Mark and Jessica sit back down as Sherlock dramatically tears open the envelope and unfolds the will. <laughs> Payne sears down his finger, prompting him to inspect it. Jessica, Columbo and Mark all sit alert, poised and ready for any unfolding eventuality. Their mind aware with possibilities. Poison? Oh. A weapon of some kind. Ouch. I can't take the suspense anymore. Sherlock sucks the blood from his fingers. In between winces, of course. Bloody paper cut. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, well, must press on. Here it is. Ah. I, Dame Agatha Mary Clarissa Christie, Lady Malawan, DBE of Torquay, I wish to declare that I will be the victim of a murderer who will attempt to make it look like an accident. In order to release my entire estate and intact the remainder of the contents of this will, aside from the items immediately listed, they must first unravel my own murder. The listed items, three listed items, are to be seen as to establishing a motive. Hmm. These bloody acts take far too long, considering they only have an hour an episode. Except Colombo, obviously, he has a bit more time. Hmm. Ten Golden Globes and twelve Emmy nominations say that the audience enjoys being strung along a little. What items? Thirteen. Thirteen Emmys here. Oh, and one four. Fifteen Globes. Four Edgar Allan Poe nominations. See, I Is just there something in there for us? Clues. I can't just guess at it like Jessica. Jessica rolls her eyes. Not this again. My fans demand more from a guy like me. Two Academy Award nominations puts a guy in another oh, league. Oh, interesting. Just one more <clears throat> thing. What are the Can items? I mention the statue of me and my dog and Hungry. What did she give <laughs> Can us? Can you believe that? Budapest. What I don't even know where it is on the map. Um. What are the items? We must continue. Just thinking about it makes me hungry. Sweet Columbo. Almost on one knee, Sherlock presents a ring to Columbo. To you I bequeath this ring. He catches sight of Mark and Jessica's steely eyes, noting his lunge towards the crime-solving lieutenant was possibly not as thought through as he had initially believed. As quickly as he was down, he was back up and walking, back towards his desk. It looks familiar. Oh, I knew I'd get that ring back someday. You know why, and so soon shall the whole world. It only took her dying. Anybody know of a good pawn shop? Hmm. Lovable murderer, Bumbly Boop. Hmm? The top drawer opens, and out comes a skull. Not human, but in fact that of a small animal, which Sherlock presents to the good doctor with glee. Ah, Dr. Sloan, for you? A skull of a small animal whose head I bashed in and kept for 25 years, collecting dust. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, how nice. Too small for a top hat. Maybe make a nice paperweight, though. Jessica, hmm. For you. He drops into the lap of Jessica, a thick book not full of murders or evidence, but full to the brim with words. The book he presents is in fact this purposely purchased dictionary. Hmm? <laughs> is that all it says? Ah, uh, there's maniacal laughter, but Watson insists that I actively practice empathy daily. <laughs> Thought I'd leave that part out. No, please include it. No, the moment's passed. This is a rather large 
Children's Dictionary. Columbo places a cigar between his lips, then pulls out a lighter. Sherlock picks up his very own pipe. Uh, near smoking in the house. I hate the smell. Please don't. So no? No. Columbo's eyebrows raise. He slowly hides the cigar in his jacket pocket, hoping nobody noticed. Just one more thing bothers me here about all this. Who would want to murder such a sweet broad? Agatha might be well adored by her adoring public who lap up her words like soup. But behind the safety of her literature, she is in fact loathed by many, including you, Dr. Mark Sloan. Me? Well, I never had a bad thing to say about anybody, mm -hmm. not even those who tried to kill oh. me. I always cleaned up their wounds, always. Medical marvel. Hmm, interrogate suspect with tap dance. Tell me, Doctor, as observant as you are, how did you miss a 25-year-old murder mystery sat in your office all those years, collecting dust, hmm? Even during said remodeling of office. Well, I, 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 I was busy, you know, doctor stuff. Solving murders? Solving lives and saving murders. I mean, saving lives and solving murders. I put it to you, Dr. Sloan, that not only did you know full well there were remains in your office for all those years, but you were, in fact, the one who put them there in order to keep them close. <laughs> Always one step ahead of the game. But you're not, are you? Agatha believed you to be one of the most dangerous men alive. Well now, he's not the only one in the room who Agatha had a grudge against now, is he? The broad was crazy. She knew the real reason why no one ever saw your wife. She was fictitious all along. Hmm. Uh, an invention in your own mind. Yes, nothing more than a mere plot device. How did she know, you might well ask? Hmm? Agatha Christie was jilted at the altar, none other by... Frank Colombo! <laughs> is this true? I bet it is. It started off innocent enough. When I clocked off the job early, I found her taking a peek into my files. Notepad, pen, intrigue! It never stopped. So I had enough. I couldn't take it anymore. I ran. I ran as fast as my new shoes could take me. She never got over the humiliation. So all those times where you RSVP to my Malibu Beach House crime-solving breakfast only to cancel at the last minute? I didn't want you to know, Mark. All those times I lied about having a wife, I, I didn't want anybody to know. It was just easier that way. Not only did you and the good doctor have reason to murder Agatha, so did mild-mannered, best-selling friend to everyone, Mrs. Fletcher. I certainly hope you have more basis to what you're saying than mere speculation, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, gentlemen. Jessica Fletcher of Cabot Cove. Hmm. A small oceanside town with a population of 3,560 inhabitants. Oh, it's quaint. It's quiet. It's idealistic. But with the highest murder capita in the world. There's only one place higher, and that's Midsummer in the United Kingdom. We all know the ringleader in that particular little slice of doom. If you have a point, Mr. Holmes, kindly move to it. She loathes you, didn't she? Loathe is a very strong word. You're right, Mrs. Fletcher. Do you have a more accurate one? Mm, perhaps you should consult your children's dictionary. <laughs> oh, sorry, Jessica. I tried so hard to be her friend. Invited her to all my signings. Even sent complimentary books to her. She read them all, didn't she? Cover to cover. And never once gave me any feedback. 
10 pages of coverage I sent her once. Now that's a lot of pages. No spaces. Is it not true that the only conclusion she ever drew from any of your complimentary books was that you were the world's most cleverest serial killer? Certainly had you nervous, did she not? Sherlock offers an exasperated sigh as he opens a bottle of vintage red wine and pours three glasses whilst they debate. More vicious than Jack the Ripper, crueler than Ted Bundy, and more dangerous than Dr. Mark Sloan. She passes one to each of them. <sighs> she could have ruined me. There you go. Thanks for the cheap stuff. If word had gotten out to my publisher of this ridiculous notion. Drink up. No amount of lawyer friends would save you. Mmm. Ah. Well then, back to Just it. Just one more question. No more questions. It's time to solve the murder. <laughs> We need to start right from the beginning. I am truly breathless with anticipation. So, what do we know? She was on the john. She reached for the last sheet of paper, but the distance was too far. But she thought she could make it. She thought wrong. Slipped right off the can, banged her head on the sink. Good night, Vienna. There was nothing in there to even consider being more than an accident. Agreed. It sounds innocent enough. Absurd! Even by your own collective cavalier of incompetence. For any of this to be true, there would have to be a person with a motive for murder other than the three of us. Quiet. We're getting very close to the big twist. That we are. Let me ask you one more thing. Why are we not treating you as a suspect? Hmm. Clearly, I'm the only one she liked. On whose authority? My own, of course. She birthed me. Agatha was your mother? No, she birthed me with her words. Oh, for heaven's sake, she wrote me. Oh, she did not. Elementary, my dear Fletcher. Not that I ever said that. <clears throat> Allow me to explain. Agatha used to do a bit of cross-dressing on the weekends when she would become Arthur? Please, do keep up. Precisely one week ago today, our beloved Arthur died during a trip to the lavatory. Yeah, yes. Two bottles of gin, five whiskey chasers. Oh. Mr. Holmes, we've hardly even finished the other bottle. My wife always said, never waste a good bottle of wine. Oh, elementary, my dear Fletcher. Mmm. Not that I ever said that. You said that. But that bottle was just for the three of you. Ah, oh, beautiful. Oh, yes. I alone have been privy to the world's most single dastardly literary twist in history. Hmm, I've had to keep it to myself this whole time. Forgive me for connecting the dots too bluntly, but uh, that puts you in the motive category, right along with the rest of us. Because clearly, I am the real murderer. Holy Jesus! how do you like that? Excuse me, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm quite confused at this point. I hate to break it to you, but every one of us. You. You. Us. Us. 
Yes. Who? What? We. Oh. All fake. Figments, yes. We're being written this very second. Excuse me, I don't follow. And you don't have to follow, because soon you'll all be dead. And there'll be only one reigning detective left. Remaining? Reigning. Oh, I love the rain, but it looks clear outside. You see, I should know. I walked all the way here. Couldn't catch a ride. Or kill her, apparently. You're all being written to death as we speak. Written to death? Well, that's absurd. Although it does sound like a very good uh, episode title. What's absurd is this entire setup. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have the seeds for a new murder mystery novel. The curious case of the murder that wasn't. Oh. Are, are you all right? It seems that the wine has just gone straight to my head. With that, Jessica drops her empty glass as her body falls to the floor. Columbo's consciousness closely following. Should have heard the chilly. It was I who was bequeathed the Book of Poisons. Sherlock cannot mask his smirk as Mark rises and also stumbles. I am shocked. She gave you her book of medical utensils and poisons. Jessica's eyes close. Columbo takes one final look at the empty wine glass in his hand as he finally collapses to the floor. Good night, Piana. His wrinkled raincoat never quite this haphazard. It was simply a revision of your deaths. <laughs> a typewriter clicks the end of a sentence as an unseen figure leans back in a chair full of manacle laughter and glee, the murderous intent seeping out of every pore. Finally, the title emerges. The curious case of the murder that wasn't. In turn, the shadowy figure becomes crystal clear. The manacle laughter of one Dame Agatha Christie in her two bottles of gin, five whiskey chaser attire. She takes one final glorious sip of the finest scotch literary fame can buy and tears the title page from the typewriter. As she scrunches up the paper, lost in a world of her own creation, the laughter morphs to a cackle, and that cackle turns into a deep sleep. This episode of The Curious Case of the Murder That Wasn't is brought to you by Resurrection Films, written by Carly Street and Jason Morris, directed by Jason Morris, Dialogue and effects editing by Phil Vo. Dialogue and sound effects mixing by Unisound. Produced by Carly Street, Jason Morris, Roy L. Foreman, and Mark Francisco. The Curious Case of the Murder That Wasn't, starring Evan O'Hare as Sherlock Holmes, Brad Crooker as Dr. Mark Sloan, Carrie Wishingrad as Jessica Fletcher, Danny Miller as Lieutenant Frank Colombo, Michael Ward as Steve Sloan, Uncle Ben Coleman as Seth Hazlitt, and introducing Zach as Dog, with Shawnee Elise Cook playing the dual role of Agatha Christie and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Narration by Carly Street, and additional dialogue by Jason Morris. The short film adaption funded through the support of backers from the Kickstarter platform, produced by Xavier Huguenot, Petra Hornikova, and Joan Renter. Executive produced by Mark Sui, Troy L. Foreman, and Mark Francisco. We hope that you have enjoyed this audio drama brought to you by Resurrection Films. Joining 
us this week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon, or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime.